This podcast is not here for those people that are trying to stay out of last place. Because those consequences don't exist for the people that are listening to this podcast. These are the people that always end up in the playoffs but can't seem to get over that hump. Or the ones who just want to dominate year after year just to show everybody else they're the champions. Guys, this is a fantasy football intervention. And we're about to intervene with your fantasy football life. going on guys welcome to fantasy intervention once again we're going to get started here going to go over a little bit of a recap of what happened over this past preseason week two just a few players stood out uh, whether it was good or bad but before we go into any of that kind of stuff I want to talk about drafting because obviously it is draft season and the importance of draft order or player preference And you know you start getting good at drafting when you start understanding tiers versus drafting off of ADPs or overall ranks of certain players. And what I mean by that is obviously you have separate tiers for certain set of players. And what a tier is, is it's a set number of players that score right around the same amount of fantasy points. And then it's a drop-off to the next tier because of a significant break in fantasy points. So, for example, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, and Ezekiel Elliott this year, as long as Ezekiel Elliott shows up, which I'm just going to keep projecting that he is up until, you know, we see something happen. He actually flew into Dallas this past weekend. So, you know, maybe the holdout's over. Maybe he starts getting in some workouts and, you know, shows up by week one. But he is back in Dallas now. Anyways, getting on to the topic at hand, those four guys are within about a 40-point range or so overall points throughout a fantasy season. But then I have a huge drop-off to my next set of running backs. My next set of running backs consists of like Nick Chubb, David Johnson, James Conner, Todd Gurley, Dalvin Cook. And like I said, the understanding is that these guys are all going to score right around the same amount of points. Now... The way that I actually draft from tier to tier is I do wide receiver, is I do running back one, then wide receiver one. Running back two to wide receiver two. Then I actually go tight end one to running back three, then wide receiver three. So that way I'm getting value at each position before the drop off actually happens. So by this point, if all of my Running back and wide receiver tier threes are off the board. I'll end up going tight end tier two. It's just understanding the percentage of values brought by each position and understanding the max amount of points that each position can put up versus the least amount of points along with consistency that that position can hold. Now, this is the way that you win your drafts. This is the way that you get ahead of everybody else. Because most of the players are drafting on overall ranking instead of tiers, and they're taking players way ahead of what they should be taking tier-wise. And if you want a little more depth and understanding on why I'm going that route, just go back to my previous podcast, Don't Draft Quarterbacks. It's my first segment. Just listen to that. I go into percentages 
and it just breaks down the average points put up by starters at their given positions. Now I can go all day on my orders of how this goes. It actually switches up a little bit with my wide receivers towards the tail end of the draft because I prefer higher end potential wide receivers in my tiers over running backs in my tiers because they're just typically potential handcuffs at that point later in the draft. And I don't prefer handcuffs. I'd rather have the talent. Now this is where it gets kind of tricky because this is where you need to learn how to draft in tiers. So if you have one player left in your wide receiver tier threes, for example, and you're drafting it, let's just say spot nine, and you're about to be on the turn. You have six running back tier three guys left. That means that one of those running backs can actually make it back to you if you take that wide receiver. However, you might have these other running backs actually ranked ahead of them, but the drop off for that wide receiver could end up being a good 30 or 40 points when the only difference between all of those running backs could only be 20 points. So yes, you might have a player actually ranked overall higher up, but you have to be aware of the gaps and where they occur throughout your draft. Now, the other situation could be, hey, you know, let's just say you're going towards the tail end of a draft and you're in round 10, you have your quarterbacks that you want, and you sit there and you're like, man, should I take a quarterback right here? I, ha I want this player, this guy's tier ranked is higher, but I'm afraid they're gonna end up taking a quarterback away from me. He's actually ranked lower on your tiers, then your wide receiver, but you're afraid you're gonna miss out on him. So this is where you actually go and you gotta do the research throughout your draft. You look, you're on the bend, and let's just say that there's one pick and then five picks later you have another pick, or six picks later you have another pick. You actually look and you see who has quarterbacks. And I know that sounds simple for a lot of people, but so many people forget to do that. You end up taking a quarterback early and then you miss out on, let's just say that high-end wide receiver that had a ton of potential, but now you're on the next tier for those wide receivers when you could have gotten a quarterback in that same tier. Tier drafting is extremely important and is crucial to winning your draft. You might not get that one player that you were keeping your eye on the entire time, but if you get a guy that's gonna put up what you would think would be maybe 10 less points throughout a whole entire fantasy season, that's still a win if you get another position that's gonna score 40 more points than that next guy up would score. That's considered a win. Pay attention to tier drafting, understand tier drafting, and set up your own tiers. Because that's what wins you games early in your fantasy league and sets up that base for a potential playoff run. It also allows you to gamble on certain other players that might be higher risk when it comes to trades or acquisitions throughout the waiver wire. All right, guys, we're gonna go ahead and do this next segment, Need to Know. You guys ready? Let's get started. And you ate the whole wheel of cheese? How'd you do that? Actually, I'm not even mad. It's amazing. All right, guys, so let's get started on this next segment, Need to Know. I'm just going to go through a few things that I needed uh, to let you guys know about that could affect your fantasy season from the Week 2 preseason games. So right off the bat, AP looked great, man. Adrian Peterson had a 26-yard run, showing that he still got it. Excited to see that. Travion Williams, uh, he got hurt, so Giovanni Bernard is safe. Giovanni Bernard's been moving all over the field for the Bengals. Eventually, I think they want Travion Williams to replace Giovanni Bernard. So I was a little bit afraid of certain passing on work that Travion Williams could take up eventually, but he got hurt. So Gio's safe at least for the first few weeks. And once again, I still like Giovanni Bernard for this year, but I just wanted to monitor the situation. Raquel Armstead should be back 
hopefully this upcoming week, which is great news because Alfred Blue, uh, Leonard Fournette's backup, had four carries for five yards. Thomas Rawls had seven carries for 19 yards. So it's good news that Raquel Armstead could be coming back this week. I am checking him out, especially in Dynasty Leagues. Potentially handcuffed for Leonard Fournette. Sam Darnold looked great in Gase's system. Shows that he is starting to operate and starting to understand where to go. Justice Hill, my man. The guy that I'm pretty much going to die by, whether it's on a hill by myself or with everybody else. He uh, was 10 carries for 49 yards and a touchdown. Really excited for Justice Hill's potential this year to be the Alvin Kamara to Melvin Ingram. Packers are in trouble if Rodgers gets hurt because both Kaiser and Boyle were absolutely terrible. I guess Boyle wasn't as bad, but Kaiser was an abomination. Absolutely terrible. Hopefully Rodgers stays healthy. I don't even think that Devontae Adams could overcome Kaiser being at the helm on a consistent basis. Cardinals are going to spread it out. They, uh, They had a terrible game. All the quarterbacks did. There was no offensive line there. They were 21 for 38. Overall, between all the quarterbacks, the thing that I wanted to take away from this was they passed 17 different receivers. And outside of Christian Kirk, I think it's going to be the same sort of thing. And even Christian Kirk kind of scares me a little bit. I think they're going to continue to spread it out. They're probably going to keep about six players on their active roster. And they're going to pass to every single one of those every single week. That's just Cliff Kingsbury's system. It scares me a lot, especially when there's no offensive line, so it's going to be quick dump-offs. I don't see as many big plays. The only player that actually stood out in this game was Andy Isabella, who had a 59-yard reception in the fourth quarter against backups, so obviously that's not big news. The other thing was David Johnson looked absolutely horrible, but I will go through that in my next segment. The Raiders look great, uh, especially their defense looked phenomenal. But their quarterbacks looked just as good. Carr, I believe, was 4 for 4. Peterman was like 8 for 8. And Glennon was up there as well. They all played great. I don't know if it's the system. I don't know if it's the terrible Arizona offense. Or if it's just John Gruden figuring out how to work with quarterbacks. Honestly, I'm leading more towards Arizona having a terrible defense. But we'll see how it goes. Next up, Josh Allen looked great. He ended up going 9 for 11 for 102 yards. He was looking for Cole Beasley primarily. Cole Beasley was 5 for 5 for 44 yards. Next up, Daniel Jones, 11 for 14, 161 yards and a touchdown. He is looking better and better every single week. If I were Eli Manning, I'd be scared, but I think Eli Manning was scared because he ended up going 4 for 4 for 42 yards and a touchdown, doing nothing to lose himself that starting job. Daniel Jones has to step up huge, but Eli Manning also has to lose that job if, D- if Daniel Jones has a chance of taking that over. Cody Latimer, 2-for-2 two for, two for 60 yards. Phenomenal. Cody Fowler, 2-for-2 two two for 25 yards and a touchdown. The reason why I bring that up is because both players are showing that they are legitimate backups. And I'm not as scared anymore, although I'm still not stoked by any stretch of the imagination. But with the six-game suspension and Sterling Shepard being hurt, uh, I'm not as scared anymore for that offense, showing that they have comparable backups. Rosen, 10-for-18. For 102 yards, not great, not terrible either. But the big thing that I wanted to take away from the Dolphins game was Williams. Preston Williams, who I love. I'm hoping he can step it up. I think he's a huge potential for being the number one target for the Dolphins. He was one for six for seven yards. He dropped two just knucklehead passes. One was pretty much a given, and he just dropped it. 
Hopefully he can fix his hands next week and regain his concentration. Now this next one, I think I'm going to have to learn this guy's name because I think he's going to get some opportunities throughout the season. I talked about him back about a week or two ago in one of my previous podcasts. But he's shown out now, I believe, two weeks in a row. It's Ogunbowale. Bowale. Ogun Bowale. <laughs> I'm going to work on that one, guys. But he was uh, 13 rushes for 34 yards. Obviously nothing significant there. But he also caught three passes on three targets for 54 yards. If he's involved, especially in the passing game, that could be huge for Tampa Bay, showing that they could find somebody that could fit that role. It's a little bit scary for Peyton Barber, but it remains to be seen if that was actually relevant play or if he was just getting some uh, some backup touches. With the Indianapolis game, the most incredible thing was the fact that Andrew Luck was warming up. That was awesome. Uh, he was warming up, throwing, moving around a little bit, so that's encouraging. And Deion Kane went 7 for 9 for 80 yards. The hype from Indy could be real. Next up with the Titans, we have Alex Barnes, who I've been sitting there raving about. And I know I talked a little bit about McNichols, but I seriously think that Alex Barnes has a lot of potential here to be the primary backup if Derrick Henry goes down. Alex Barnes ended up running 7 times for 42 yards. Mariota showed that he is not willing to lose that job yet. He ended up going 6 for 9 for 63 yards and one touchdown. But guess who was better? That's right, Tannenhill. 7 for 11 for 84 yards and one touchdown. But guess who was better than that in that game? Jarek Stidham. 14 for 19 for 193 yards and one touchdown. This kid is impressing left and right. I legitimately think that he could take that backup role away from Brian Hoyer. We'll uh, wait and see if that actually happens. But they'll need to keep three quarterbacks on the roster if he does not take that backup position. New England typically likes to only keep two because they obviously have Tom Brady. This year they could have taken three. We'll see what happens. But Jarrett Sidham is showing that he might be Tom Brady's successor down the road. And they're definitely not going to lose him by putting him on the practice squad. Jacob Myers obviously had a great week. We'll talk about that in my next segment. But Damian Harris ended up going 14 carries for 80 yards, although all of his goal line work was taken up by other players. It's not extremely encouraging, but... We'll end up seeing how that shakes out. Obviously, New England is a really, really tough backfield to judge. Lions. Finally, I get to talk about these guys. We have our guys Travis Fulgham and John Duhart. Oh, by the way, if you guys didn't know, they're from our local college here, Old Dominion University, who had the most unknown dynamic offense in college last year. I'm not saying they were the most dynamic offense, but they were the most unknown dynamic offense. Travis Fulgham ended up going three for four for 52 yards. And John Duhart was one for one for 28 yards. I really want to see both these guys make the roster. And they have plenty of opportunity playing for the Lions and, and getting that shot to be the third, fourth, or fifth wide receiver. Ty Johnson, who is scaring me right now. I knew that the Lions drafted him for a reason. And that was pretty much so they could cut Theoretic and not lose that, that role that Theoretic carried. Ty Johnson ended up having four rushes for 11 yards. I'll end up diving a little bit more into that situation here in my next segment as well. Malcolm Brown was held out of the Rams preseason game. You know what that tells me? It's not Darrell Henderson that is the backup to Todd Gurley. It's Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown will take the snaps away from Todd Gurley. If Todd Gurley shows any kind of signs of arthritis in his knees, any kind of pain, or if he actually gets hurt, it's going to be Malcolm Brown taking that backup role. 
Tony Pollard for the Cowboys was extremely impressive. Five carries for 42 yards and a touchdown. That was with the starters. Uh, he had a gorgeous, I believe it was a 14-yard run into the end zone. Just, you know, playing pinball off these guys. I really, really think that Tony Pollard has huge upside if Ezekiel Elliott does not come back. However, Ezekiel Elliott, if you guys didn't listen to my last episode, was spotted coming into the Dallas airport. But then he ended up coming out with a report today saying that he was extremely aggravated by Jerry Jones when Jerry Jones said, Zeke who? During an interview after the game last night. Next up, we have Taysom Hill for the Saints. 11 for 15 for two touchdowns. Five carries, 53 yards. This guy's a beast. We all know it. Let's just see if he can do it up against some starters. Uh, obviously, Teddy Bridgewater struggled last night. Taysom Hill could take that backup role, but I think it's still Teddy Bridgewater's. They want to show he can play. He might be the future quarterback for New Orleans, or he could just be trade bait. Teddy Bridgewater still has a starting job, but keeping on on Taysom Hill. Divino Zigbo. Eight carries, 30 yards. Three receptions on three targets for 23 yards and one touchdown. He, they're saying that he could end up playing that Mark Ingram role if he outplays Latavius Murray or if Latavius Murray gets hurt. That's scary for me if I'm drafting Latavius Murray looking for potential floors because if Zigbo starts taking up goal line work and starts taking that, that main just brutal head-down rusher role, Latavius Murray's in trouble. Tyrod is still good. That's my notes for the Chargers game. Honestly, he's still a starting caliber quarterback. Keep an eye out for him being traded to another team if a quarterback does get injured. They still have Cardell Jones behind him, who also had a very good game. And then, once again, I get to talk about ODU. Jeremy Cox, 2 for 2 for 19 yards. I really want to see if this guy gets an opportunity. We might have to wait until the fourth preseason game to see it, but I still think he could end up making this roster. He has insane measurables, and this guy it literally runs like a damn bowling ball. Up next, we have... Madison for the Vikings, 10 carries, 41 yards, and then had one catch out of two targets for four yards. He obviously showed that he can play that backup role for Dalvin Cook. Adam Thielen showed that he can still play three for three for 45 yards, made some amazing grabs. Adam Thielen is showing that him and Kirk Cousins are continuing the chemistry that they had at the beginning of the year. Let's see if it carries over into the season. I'm excited to see what the Vikings do this season when it comes to pass percentage versus run percentage, and how it affects Kirk Cousins' efficiency. I think if they can keep the ball out of his hands for the majority of the time, then his big plays will still be there, and his efficiency will go up. He'll end up having more touchdowns and more big plays. Irv Smith had a great game, 5 for 5 for 28 yards and a touchdown. At times, he looked like the best player on the field. I'm a huge fan of Irv Smith, especially in Dynasty Leagues. If you are doing a rookie draft, make sure you guys grab him up. And that's going to wrap it up for the Need to Know segment. We're going to go into our next segment, guys, where I actually will talk about who increased their draft stock versus decreased their draft stock. I just got a few players for each, uh, each section. We're going to go over that. Obviously, guys, this is one of the most important things you need to pay attention to is how is draft stock increasing, how is draft stock falling, and don't not falling into the ADPs that have been created over the offseason or created by people that are not paying attention to these kinds of things. So here we go with Bangarang and Watch Dim Burn.
Alright guys, so Bangarang. Getting started out with these guys. Bangarang is going to be an increase in draft stock or you know somebody that I'm actually looking for just because of the previous week's work or in this case lack thereof. My first Bangarang is going to be Montgomery. David Montgomery did not play. That's about as good as it can be in the preseason for a, a rookie player. Typically, they want to get the rookies on the field, get them adjusted, but since he did not play, that's a great, great sign. He is rising up my draft boards, and I don't understand why Miles Sanders is now going ahead of Montgomery. Montgomery is going to be getting almost all the touches. I think he has tremendous potential. I think he passed up Mike Davis now. I think he, you know, Tariq Cohen is in the side view mirror. Maybe not the rear view mirror yet, but I, I, he's getting there. I think that Montgomery can play that position. I think they know it. That's why they drafted him. But Montgomery is going to be my first riser. Next one was Chris Carson, who looked like a monster out there on the field last night. Chris Carson was 5 for 25. Ended up going uh, 1 out of 2 targets for 3 yards. But the thing was, was they were giving him the ball, and he was just mowing people over. He's getting the opportunity. Chris Carson is going to be the starting running back for the Seahawks this year. And I don't think that Rashad Penny even touches that. Chad Kelly. And this one's interesting because... He's now produced two weeks in a row. Previous Denver Bronco, he was Mr. Irrelevant, which if you listen to our show, you'll hear Adam talk about it all the damn time. He put out another solid performance. 12 for 17 for 115 yards and a touchdown. The thing is, is Jacoby Brissett isn't doing anything to lose it. In fact, he ended up having a, a solid game last night, a great game. 8 for 10, 100 yards and a touchdown. But people are knocking at the door asking about trade potential for Jacoby Brissett. If Chad Kelly keep, continues to do this, they're going to either trade off Chad Kelly or they're going to trade off Jacoby Brissett. And whoever is in that backup role behind Andrew Luck is going to get opportunity because Andrew Luck has an injury history. You know, he's even dealing with an injury right now, and I still think he comes back in time to start out the year. But these guys, they, they will have potential in Dynasty Leagues. And if Andrew Luck ends up being hurt, either one of these guys do have Upside potential in fantasy. I do believe one of them will be traded by the middle of this upcoming season. I don't think that they can afford to cut either one of these guys because they are both legitimate backups, potential starters. But they're not going to sit on three quarterbacks when Andrew Luck is your starting quarterback. Ryan Finley, the rookie from NC State. This guy looks sick. It was against the Redskins, which pains me to say. But this backup Bengals quarterback is going to pass up Jeff Driscoll no matter what happens. He is the backup, in my opinion, right now behind Andy Dalton. And Andy Dalton looked terrible. He was 5 for 9 for 36 yards. Meanwhile, they're going against backups. He ended up being 20 for 26 for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Ryan Finley is looking great out there. He continues to produce. I want to see more. This guy, like I said, he is a rookie, but I would not be surprised to see him taking Andy Dalton's job in week 8, week 9, if Andy Dalton does not start to show that he can run Cliff Kingsbury's system. Cliff Kingsbury wants a certain type of guy in that role, and I think that he loves what he's seen from Ryan Finley. Miles Sanders is up next. And Miles Sanders is a little bit of a controversy. He raised up my board slightly. He ended up getting the start last night above Jordan Howard. He was five rushes for 31 yards. But in college, this kid had 308 touches, and that includes receptions. He had 10 fumbles. That means one fumble every 30.8 carries or 31 carries. That's scary in the NFL. We've had so many other players like David Wilson come in, have fumble issues, and not be able to recover from that. 
They don't make it in the league. It doesn't matter how athletic or how great they are. They're better running backs than Miles Sanders that end up falling off NFL rosters and then falling out of, out of free agency because nobody wants a fumble-prone running back on their roster. They need safety from running backs. They can get big plays from their passing down backs, but if you're going to be a starting running back, a bell cow back, you cannot fumble. If he fumbles two or three times within a two or three game stretch, Jordan Howard could end up taking back that starting role. The Eagles do not like to turn the ball over. Keep an eye on Miles Sanders. If he starts fumbling, make sure you do what you can to pick up Jordan Howard. Quadre Olison is my next bangerang. Nine for 44 yards. This guy could end up being the backup. I know we talked about Brian Hill one week. You know how I can't really stand Edo Smith. I don't think that Edo Smith has a role with the Falcons by midseason this year, even though he is getting the goal line work right now. I think Quadre Olson will end up taking that away from him, and I think that he has to overcome Brian Hill. But Brian Hill had a terrible game, and Quadre Olson went off, like I said, nine rushes, 44 yards. This guy is showing that he has the potential to back up Devonta Freeman, which has fantasy value. You're talking about a top-end offense, probably top five, and now you're talking about the backup running back to an injury-prone player. Quadre Olson has a ton of talent. Keep an eye on him throughout the end of the preseason. Check out the depth charts because if he is the backup to Devontae Freeman, I'm going to be drafting him. And in Dynasty Leagues, he's a definite hold. Devin Singletary. This guy is doing things, but you have to watch the games. This guy isn't one of those players where the stats jump out, but he's passing the eye test left and right. And I'm not always relying on the eye test because stats actually are the things that win you fantasy football championships, not how great somebody looks. But Singletary ended up putting... Two carries for six yards, yeah, whatever. He also caught three balls on five targets for 25 yards. The other two targets, he was completely overthrown. It wasn't even close to him. So he would have had perfect receptions. He was wide open and probably would have broken off a 30 to 40 yard touchdown run if he would have received one of them. The other one, he probably would have at least gotten 15, 20 yards. Devin Singletary, I wasn't big on him before the season started, but seeing him and seeing the way that he fights through contact He's rising up my boards like crazy, and I'm actually taking him in standard league drafts, even though he's technically behind LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore. I think he could pass both of them up by the start of the season. I'm excited for Singletary this year. I'm starting to pick him up, like I said, left and right. We'll see how this season goes. I'm definitely grabbing him every chance I have in Dynasty. Jacoby Myers. Oh, man, once again, this kid is hot. Hot like fire. Six for six for 82 yards. I mean, what else can you ask? He's been the number one target for the Patriots at the preseason. This guy is going to be a monster. I'm a little bit afraid of Josh Gordon, but if Jacoby Myers can get his work in, they'll end up playing him over Nikhil Harry in most cases, although they will probably see a split snap share. James Washington. Now, this guy I did not like that much. I mean, I liked him more than I liked Dante Moncrief because I've seen Dante Moncrief. I know what I get. But James Washington hasn't really stuck out lately. He hasn't put up any kind of significant numbers, but somebody needs to fill that Jeter role. Well, in steps James Washington for this preseason, four for five for 82 yards. This kid knows what he's doing. He's making excellent catches. And I know that Deontay Johnson's right behind him, who also had a great game, three for five for 46 yards and a touchdown. But I still think that James Washington is going to be a hell of a lot better this year than Deontay Johnson. We'll see how it goes. Obviously, the Steelers know how to pick their wide receivers. So that's going to wrap it up for Bangarang. Up next, we got Watch Them Burn. And I don't have a ton of guys this week just because of the simple fact that there wasn't too much impact on actual fantasy leagues or the draft itself. 
you know, somebody like Brian Hill had a terrible week, but he wasn't really on my draft board. Ito Smith, once again, not on my draft board. So even though certain players are in camp battles, if they're not on my draft boards, then I'm not going to be talking about them much. So let's get this started with Watch Them Burn. All right, let's get started with Watch Them Burn. We're going to talk about a few of the losers of this week three preseason. So let's get it started. First one being Rashad Penny, who had six carries for negative two yards. He did have two catches on three targets for 10 yards, but that's just brutal. And I'm not saying he was high up on my draft board. I wasn't ending up with a lot of Rashad Penny. But if he fell to me, I'd be willing to take him, especially if I had Chris Carson and I wanted to try and match them up depending on matchup. But he has not looked good. I'm not really sure what's going on in Seattle with that situation, but I think Chris Carson is running away with it. Chris Carson is definitely the back to own in Seattle this year. Russ Wilson looked great. They have wide receivers now. It's going to open up the middle for Chris Carson. I think Chris Carson is going to have a lot bigger year than where he's being drafted. Matt Ryan, his offensive line was brutal. Absolutely terrible. He's falling down my draft board. But the thing was, is even though his offensive line was brutal, he was still produced. He had 10, he was 10 for 14 for 118 yards. He has the wide receivers. He has the options. But just keep an eye on him. He starts taking a ton of hits, especially in this upcoming week three preseason game. I'm probably going to bat him down my boards because I don't want a quarterback that's just going to get destroyed in the backfield. That's why I'm not taking Kyler Murray this year. That's why I'm not touching Andy Dalton, which, you know, most people aren't anyways. But I don't want my quarterback getting hit a ton in the backfield when they're not paying attention. I think it's slightly different with Lamar Jackson because he is able to scramble, see in front of him, and he's typically getting hit from somebody that he knows is coming, and he has an opportunity to slide. When you're getting hit in the backfield, you're getting hit from behind, and it is brutal. They are picking you up and dropping you. I don't want that for my starting quarterback. Carrion Johnson is my third and last guy that ended up falling completely down my rankings. Who ended up falling down my rankings? He uh, he ended up doing really well. I mean, had a solid game, but he came out on all three third downs. They went with C.J. Anderson twice and Ty Johnson, who is a huge threat to Carrion Johnson's work. They're saying that he's doing excellent in camp. They're saying that he's able to catch the ball, even though he didn't do it a ton in college. They still see a lot of potential with him. If Carrion Johnson is coming off the field on third downs, that means that he's not a bell cow running back. That means that he's not going to get the short yardage work or the passing work. That is extremely, extremely scary for somebody that is rising up people's draft boards right now, especially after the Theo Riddick situation. Carrion Johnson is making me extremely nervous to be an owner or drafting him. I don't own a lot of them as it is right now, although I was starting to pick him up a few different times. And right now, I think I'm, I'm pumping the brakes. I need to see a little bit more out of Carrion Johnson in this week three preseason game. And last, and potentially the least, we have David Johnson. I just want to watch him burn. He honestly, uh, he has no offensive line there. You're going to hear me talk about it throughout the whole entire season. And that's why they were so terrible last year. I mean, the play calling was bad last year. And I don't really know how it's going to be this year, but the offensive line is just brutal. Four carries for six yards in this game. One catch for negative three yards. Something's going to have to break in Arizona 
for David Johnson to not only be relevant, but to also be consistent. I mean, he might have a few of his games where he goes over, you know, 100 yards, gets a touchdown, and, and shows up on a relevant fantasy scale, but I don't trust him on a regular basis for him to be an early pick like he's going right now. He's going number four, five, or six overall right now, and I don't understand what people are seeing. Last year, he was running back number 10. However, he played 16 games, and everybody's thinking, oh, that's great, that's solid. No, it's not. You're only getting 14 points per game out of him, and that's because he had some big games. I mean, you look around him, and if he was drafted up, you know, in the top five, we'll even say top seven, you should be getting at least 19 points per game. At least 19 points per game. He's getting 14, less than 14 points per game. David Johnson, I'm not touching with a 10-foot pole, and you can all you have to do to see why is just look at the offensive line, watch a handful of plays, watch the, the opening two drives for the preseason game. They will not have a solid offense this year, and David Johnson is not going to be a top five fantasy option. You got to be crazy to take David Johnson that high. So how many people did I piss off with that segment? <laughs> With that being said, guys, this is my typical shorter Monday night recap, talking a little bit about the preseason, doing a little bit of a rant. So I'll have this uh, produced for you guys by Tuesday. Once again, thank you guys for listening. Make sure you subscribe to Fantasy Football Intervention on Podcasts, Google Play now. Wahoo, get excited for that. We are on SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, working on a few other things. I'm really, really excited the direction this podcast is going. Glad you guys could join me on this adventure. And thank you guys for listening to Fantasy Football Intervention, where we intervene with your daily fantasy life. with some dog fighting in the background. Jesus. <laughs> this is what happens.